Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Good morning, Agents of Nothing, and welcome to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 16, Paradise Lost. Yeah! So, Mariah, how was your week? It was good. I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley with Tyler. I think we've played, like, every week, every week, every night for a week straight. (laughs) Cute! It was was a real learning curve, figuring out how to play on my laptop rather than with a controller, but it's been fun. That's cute. I love it. (laughs) How about you? How was your week? Well, uh, speaking of the name of this episode, Paradise Lost, um, that was one of the many hilariously wrong names that uh, the band Paradise (laughs) Fears used to get called back in the day. How did I know you were going to bring them up? (laughs) I had to. Um, But it's it is relevant because uh, they are doing like a reunion mini tour next month. And I just booked my hotel for it. I'm I'm going to the Chicago date. I'm going by myself, and I've never been to Chicago before. And I'm gonna be there for three days, <laughs> having to like entertain myself because the concert is the only thing that I already have planned. Um, so actually, if anybody has any like recommendations for me to do things in, um, I don't know why I wrote Boston, uh, in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Give me some ideas. Tweet me. I would love. I would love ideas. I need to fill three days worth of, of days and nights. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You should definitely. You should go to the American Girl doll store. Ooh. Okay. Wait. Actually, I'm gonna write that down right now. <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the one place that I wanted to go when when I went to Chicago. Yeah. I was like, we gotta go to the American Girl doll store. Cute. I love it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Are we ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this episode was written by George Kitson and Sharla Oliver and directed by Wendy Stanzler. Interesting. I don't recognize those names. Have they? Yeah, I don't think any of those have come up before. Interesting. Okay, I feel like I kind of... I kind of felt that vibe that this was this was a new type of episode. Yeah. <laughs> um well, so we meet a couple of people. First of all, Nathaniel Malik. He's very gullible. I feel like that magician guy from the first or second season would have like blown this kid's mind. <laughs> <laughs> um and then we meet James, who's like the exact opposite of Nathaniel, and uh, could probably fool that magician for a second. <laughs> um, okay, so we start off in 1970 at Gideon Malik's father's funeral. So the opening exterior scene was filmed at 380 South San Rafael Avenue in Pasadena, California. This was the same exterior shot used as Wayne Manor in Batman 1966. Wow. And in the exterior mansion shot, set in 1970, the car that is leaving at the beginning is a 1978 Lincoln town car. Ooh, what a goof. (laughs) What a goof. Someone's getting fired. (laughs) Whoa. Or maybe maybe they're just saying that the Malik family is that rich that they have uh, they have a, a car that won't come out is for another eight years. Still a prototype. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Malik promises uh, some guy that he will continue his father's work. Are we supposed to know who that guy was, by the way? No, I think he's just like a member of Hydra. Okay, just a guy. Um, He's literally just a guy. (laughs) Run him over with your... Why did I say... (laughs) That's the long way of saying that, in case you didn't know. Run him over with your car and hit him with your car are similar sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, uh, but then some other kid comes along. Uh, Turns out it's his brother. Didn't realize that (laughs) through this. Um... And says that they have to follow what Whitehall wants for them. 
and I did not know what was happening at this point. <laughs> In 1970, the Malik brothers are summoned to meet with Daniel Whitehall in prison, but Whitehall did not take on this name until after he was released by order of Alexander Pierce in 1989. So in 1970, he was still known by his birth name, Werner Reinhardt. Oh my god! Uh, George and Sharla, do your research! <laughs> do your homework! God! god. Hey, canon is important, people. This is why you keep a show Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So flash forward to today, Malik has arrived back to his home and meets up with his daughter. Stephanie is fucking swooning over Hive's, like, ward face. (laughs) She's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me he was so hot. (laughs) Um, and Malik is surprised to learn that Hive is there at their home and has already asked for the inner circle to gather immediately. He says it's time to reveal his true self. Aw, coming out party. Aw. Cute. So Bethany Joy Lenz was briefly introduced as Stephanie Malik in Parting Shot ahead of her larger role in this episode, on which Tantaroan explained... We definitely wanted to explore what it's like to be a family that grew up in the religion of Hydra, if you will. How that is the backbone of their beliefs and their bond. It's a very interesting dynamic, this father and daughter relationship in that world of Hydra. Yeah, it was interesting. um, Being able to, like, relate to some of, like, their relationship um, in, like, in that religious aspect. Um... And then also not relating to it anymore, because I'm not re- religious. Yeah. Is it, it was uh, an interesting dichotomy there. <laughs> For sure. Um, so May finds Coulson clenching his fist. I didn't mean to <laughs> write that in all caps, but I left it. And so I had to deliver it that way. Nancy, um, yes. <laughs> And he is angrily staring at the still frame of Ward from that security video. Um, May says he must not have killed him hard enough. <laughs> that killed me. That I died. <laughs> I'm dead now. But it's okay because it just means that May might get a turn to kill him too. <laughs> <laughs> so after the previous episode, executive producers Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancheroen discussed how the title characters would be affected by the reveal that Hive was walking around in the body of Grant Ward. Going into this episode, with Whedon saying, This is going to be the most shocking for Coulson because he did something dark but for a good reason, and now he knows he didn't achieve much. Maybe he even did something or created something worse with that act. I think that Coulson's real feelings about Ward will come to the surface. For everybody else, obviously it's going to be a very large threat. Tangeroan added, Up until this point, Coulson has been coping with what he did to Ward back on Maveth by just pushing forward, not really thinking about it. Now, basically Ward's face filled the screen in his office, and he literally came face to face with the person that he killed. And he's no longer a person, so what is he is still a question. We've been alluding to the fact that he's the ultimate symbol of evil, so that's not good. Surely not. So that's not good. (laughs) That is not good. You are so right, Marissa. (laughs) Um, But no, I I thought that there's there's the scene later where Coulson actually finally kind of breaks down, and I really liked that they they included that um, kind of seeing seeing Coulson regret his own actions and like. Yeah. Yeah. When when May came to him and she said, you, you don't have a lot of kills like that under your belt. And he oh. said, you know, I've had my fair share. And she said, not that you enjoyed. Yeah. Mm, my God. She, they really know how to, like, just get right to the heart of things with each other. Yeah. So, Fitzsimmons and Daisy are studying the remains of one of Hive's victims. 
And I, on it, I just have to know who posed the skeleton like that because it's got like one arm raised over its head, like Sleeping Beauty or something. <laughs> it was very dramatic. <laughs> um, Mac joins them apparently for the first time since his adventure with his brother. Um, and the four of them guess that Ward's body is being possessed by the thing that devastated Mavith, and uh, they try to figure out what it could want here until another agent summons them all to Coulson's office. Um, Coulson tells the team that they've figured out where Hive's HQ is at Transia. Oh my god, Hive is coming out as trans. <laughs> um, I will be using they, them pronouns for them from here on out. <laughs> so... <laughs> And she did. I, I, I did. read the script. I can confirm. Spoilers. <laughs> I did have to make sure that I, I thought about that, though, because um, while I was typing, because they keep referring to Hive as as he, him. Um, yeah. But in my mind, I was like, no, they, them. And so, but I was hearing he, him. And so then I would type it. And then I was like, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of mental gymnastics there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the team is heading out, except for Daisy and Lincoln, who are making a stop at the Badlands to pick up some other inhuman who might be able to help them. And her name is Halsey, apparently. Because <laughs> Badlands, get it? Yeah. <laughs> you, what an You album. get my jokes. <laughs> Stephanie comes outside to check on Malik, and he tells her that the vision he had when he touched Charles was of his own death. And that Hive will be the one who kills him. Fucking duh. <laughs> I don't remember if it was in this scene or, like, the next scene with them together. But um, she said something about how when her mom died and oh. she couldn't get out of bed with for a week, he told her to man up. Telling your own daughter in the midst of grief to man up is a different kind of evil. Truly. Truly. And the way that she said it as if he, like, did her a favor. Yeah. Ah. I hated that. <laughs> it, yeah. Because there, there's so many layers to that, right? Like, just just using the term man up is already weird and sexist and uh, all of that. But to to be, to use a sexist phrase like that to your daughter to be like that tells her so subconsciously I don't think that you are enough as the person that you are and I I wish that you were a man and I also don't want to witness you having any feelings including grieving your your mother who just passed away so many layers yeah <laughs> to hate him it's like and a week is not yeah in in grieving time that's not a long time no it's that's like a blink <laughs> let her stay in bed for a week if she wants <laughs> for real Her mom just died <laughs> um so then flashback in time and baby malik and his brother not his friend <laughs> <laughs> um, go to see Whitehall. And Whitehall tells them that uh, their religious cult beliefs are stupid and that they should follow him because he's a man of science. And, like, I don't know. Like, right now, Whitehall sounds like every religious person who has tried to convert me to their beliefs. So, <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but Whitehall proves that he knows what he's talking about by describing Malik's upcoming first stone ceremony, um, which is where the traveler to Mavith gets chosen. Whitehall reveals that Malik's father was apparently very good at avoiding being chosen all those years, um, and that the boys can figure out how he did that by looking at their father's copy of Paradise Lost. Um, so then Gideon storms out of the jail angrily and then calls for his brother to join him. Um, so back to the present, Stephanie assures Malik that Hive is not going to hurt him. Fucking babes. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> we all have seen that coming the 
whole time, from the second Malik revealed that he was trying to bring back an ancient monster who could decimate entire civilizations, it was clear that this would lead to Malik's death somehow or another. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Um... But Malik thinks that Hive will try to kill him tonight at the Inner Circle meeting. Um, and he he says that he sees the signs, including that Hive sent Giera away and then summoned the whole Inner Circle behind his back. Um, and Stephanie still th- says that since Malik was the one who brought them back, Hive will be grateful to him and won't hurt him. She's fully confident in this. Um, and says that the, she'll just she'll have a scotch waiting for him after the meeting is over. <laughs> That's a scotch that won't be drunk. <laughs> I like that I said that because they did then have a glass of scotch together, um, but he did not drink it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lincoln tells Daisy about the guy that they're looking for on the way. Um His name is James, and he was a demolitions expert and a potential inhuman at Afterlife, but he was never given powers, and he's real bitter about it. (laughs) Which, like, I mean, I guess if he's off the grid, he hasn't really heard about the inhuman outbreak. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, just go to the fucking store and get some fish oil. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) You already know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for real. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, but from that whole scene, I was like, damn, he's really behind the times. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, he was caught stealing from Jiang's office and was banished from the afterlife. But not before he ranted to everyone that would listen about the second coming of an ancient inhuman who would come back to kill them all. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm. Um, but since he's so bitter about not getting powers too, there is a 50-50 shot that he'll actually be helpful. Um, so Fitzsimmons show Coulson what they found with Hive's victim. And apparently there is some kind of microscopic organism that devours living flesh. Um, and Simmons guesses and gags at <laughs> um, <laughs> that it can reanimate dead flesh as well, which is awful. Yeah. Um, Malik finds Hive hanging out near the pond um, on their on their property And Hive compliments Stephanie. They say that she is a true believer and that she'll play a key role in their plan. Malik tries to ask Hive if they still have the memories of all their previous hosts, but Hive says that all will be made clear tonight at the meeting. And also, they got a little attitude about it, so (laughs) seemed unnecessary. I'd be curious (laughs) about it, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'd want to know. They have a very... Interesting life experience at this point. Yeah, <laughs> they they have the life experience of of thousands of people at the same time. How can you possibly? I can't even remember my own experiences. I know. I'm supposed to have the memories of thousands of people across centuries. That's crazy. <laughs> I would forget. I would absolutely forget. Um, the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, passes out Fitz's new guns that are specially designed to try and keep Guerra from being able to use them. And then they didn't... Did they even use them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. They had a whole scene there about it, and I don't think they used them. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. come up later. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Lincoln and Daisy arrive at James's secluded fucking compound and he warns them not to take another step right as Daisy puts her foot down on a landmine. Fuck. James is under the impression that they are on orders from Jaying to come find him. Um, and I love that neither of them said anything about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
They weren't like she's dead or like like they no, waited that's not so why long. We're here. <laughs> they waited so long to say that. Um, but Daisy uses her powers to hold the trigger down until she can get off and far enough back to let the mind blow. And then she blows up all the rest of them, and Lincoln sends James flying. So a Wilhelm scream can be heard when Lincoln zaps James. What's that? It's like, you know the, how do I describe it? It's, it's the, the basic sound effect for when someone screams. It's like the, ah! Oh, you can you guys you guys can Google Wilhelm scream and I'm sure it'll come up on YouTube. Actually I do wanna look it up right now. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so uh, baby Gideon finds uh, his brother Again, not his friend. I thought it was his. Fr- I thought they were just like friends this whole time. It was his brother. Um, <laughs> he finds his brother in his in their father's studio, and little brother studio. Was very, huh? You said studio. Oh, <laughs> it's because I have to go to the studio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> he finds baby Gideon finds his little brother in their father's study. And it turns out his, and his little brother was curious about what Whitehall said. And so he looked at the copy of Paradise Lost. And sure enough, it was a hiding place for a white stone with a little notch in it so that their father could always avoid being chosen as the traveler. The Paradise Lost book used to hide the white stone is the Classics Club edition, which was part of a series of classic book titles sold by mail order in the 1950s and 1960s. Ooh. So, like, like that particular copy of it? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Did it have a different um, cover or something? I think so. It, um, I'm not totally sure, but I know, like, there are certain varieties of books that can be, like, easily looked up because of the way the cover looks or the... Yeah. Cool. The printing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, <laughs> now that we had our little nice, nice joke, um, <laughs> both the brothers lose their faith in their father. Um, like Gideon, right after his death. Jesus, like immediately. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. So they can't even like... They can't even confront him or, like, try to reconcile or anything. Sucks. Um, But Gideon makes them promise each other that they won't lose the faith that their family has upheld for so long. So they get rid of the the pebble and agree to let fate decide. Um, (laughs) And I said, ooh, so the brother gets chosen. And then that's why Gideon wanted to send someone else through the portal instead of going through himself because he's a coward just like his father. Look at you go. Look at me go. You had most of it. (laughs) (laughs) I was almost there. Almost there. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So the inner circle has arrived, and Stephanie tells Malik to man up again. Well, it's this so family mm, that internalized misogyny <laughs> that she's like, "Oh, I'm doing. I'm giving my father the same advice that he gave me, and it's such good advice. And it's I'm just the tough, man up. hot, cool girl." Mm. Stephanie, if only you had more time to learn. I can change her. (laughs) I can fix her. (laughs) Wait, and then I literally talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. Uh, So she tells Malik to man up and get this shit started. So he begins to introduce... So he begins to introduce Hive, who, of course, 
uh, interrupts and introduces themselves. Um, and fucking the tentacle hair. Why? <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> I hated it. I'm <laughs> like within within the joke that in my head canon this is hives coming out party. Um mm-hmm. like yes, be be your true self. Be who you be are your authentic for self. For your pride. <laughs> but the tentacle hair, I can't do it. <laughs> It was it was so weird and gross and slimy and I hated it. <laughs> um so Colson and the team have arrived at the Transia um agrochemical place and find that most everything is either gone or destroyed. And in Max's words, there's nothing sinister about that. <laughs> um Daisy and Lincoln finally tell James that Jaying is dead and that afterlife is destroyed. Again, they took so long. So long. <laughs> to say that. But he still does not want to help them because he doesn't like helping people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lincoln then shows him the incentive that he brought that, again, they could have brought that out so much sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Saved themselves so much grief. Um, and the incentive is a Terrigen Crystal. I do like that James was like, you should have led with that. Because, yeah, they should have. <laughs> they really should have. <laughs> it would have saved them from the landmine. It would have saved them from a lot. <laughs> and also, um, they didn't need a, a, a physical crystal. They could have just brought fish oil. <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> go pick it up from CVS. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Open wide. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so Coulson says that they will just have to take samples from the lab to see if Simmons can figure out what they were working on. Um, and then he lures Guerra into an empty room where then he gets locked in with May. That see, <laughs> that shot bugged me so much because Coulson absolutely had time to shoot Guerra before <laughs> doing any of that. Um, but I guess it's not as dramatic as May saying not so fun without your little toys, huh? <laughs> Maybe he just didn't want to kill anyone else so soon after the first Maybe. one backfired on him. <laughs> Maybe so, I guess. I... <laughs> Whatever. You're right. That's <laughs> <laughs> just my thoughts. <laughs> uh, after watching the rest of the episode, that's absolutely, that's totally correct. <laughs> Um, so then the fight scene commences and it's the longest scene in the whole episode. Honestly, this was, this was a, an episode full of very short scenes and this scene was longer than all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then May wins, of course, obviously, because she's May. Um, Fitz finds out that Hydra is now in the oil business. Apparently I don't. That was random. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up later. Now that you say that, I'm sure it will. <laughs> um, I don't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know what? It was... I Because Coulson was like, man, they sure are just doing the bad guy trope thing. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, anyway. And Gira is captured in the containment pod. So the Dutch town of, and I'm going to try not to butcher this, I don't remember how they pronounced it, um, the Dutch town of Schoenebeek really is home to the largest off onshore oil field in Europe. Oh, I almost said offshore because uh, I live in South Louisiana and <laughs> Yo, like every other person <laughs> w- works offshore. <laughs> anyway... Um, It's really home to the largest onshore oil field in Europe, but the name on the shield computer screen is misspelled as Schoenbeek, which is a completely different town in Belgium. What? However, Fitz seems to be talking about the right town as he pronounces the extra E in the middle of Schoenbeek. 
Whoa. Literally one letter difference. Yeah. Man. Remind me to be real careful if I ever try to go somewhere in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I might end up on the on the a different side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention to spelling. <laughs> um so James then pulls out a this big fucking metal or stone ball that Daisy recognizes as Cree. And then James is like, looks like you're the muscles and the brains. And he is just the haircut. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I love his haircut. It's so much better than the tentacle hair. (laughs) Um, So then James tells them about Alveus. um, And honestly, I did not retain much else that he said. Uh, Is Hive's real name Alveus? Alveus? Or... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Genuinely, something, I don't. Something about Alveus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Lincoln goes against their deal. Oh, my God. He takes the Cree ball and the crystal away from James, saying that, <laughs> that Jaying was right, that not everyone deserves powers. This is the right choice. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But I do think it's funny because that the... Not everyone deserves powers reminds me of like the internet joke of like not not all people deserve rights or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever somebody does something that you don't like. Um James sarcastically asks if Lincoln does, since now he might quote actually kill someone. He tells Daisy that J- that Lincoln almost killed his last girlfriend as they run out the door and leave him to scream for himself. Scream to himself. Scream for himself. <laughs> How do you do that? For ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example of screaming for yourself. Ice cream for ice cream. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so Malik joins Stephanie for that drink that they promised each other. And Stephanie shows Malik the gift that Hive gave her. A copy of Paradise Lost. So petty. So petty. Malik's face falls, and Stephanie asks if he's still questioning Hive. He says no. And I mean, like, no, like, he's not questioning anymore. He's certain that Hive is going to kill him now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Simmons tells Coulson what she's found from the remains of the lab, and it looks like they were studying invasive species. And I love her line. I was like, mm-hmm. birds can be scary. Imagine a flock of them pecking their eyes out with their little beaks. Have you never seen the birds? Or whatever that that <laughs> movie like the by first Hitchcock horror movie. is? <laughs> it was Hitchcock, right? If I'm, like, totally wrong on both counts of the name of the movie and the director. It is called, it is called The Birds. Okay. I don't know who made it. I never know who made I movies, feel like it's Hitchcock. Except for Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Let me see. Hold up. Hold up. The birds. Yes, I was right. Yeah. It is Hitchcock? Yeah. Okay. I remember and one time. And it comes from a horror story by Daphne du Maurier. Whoa! Oh my god. I should, maybe I should read that. I hated Rebecca, but... I, re- I remember one time um, early on uh, in David and I's relationship, we were, tr- you know, we we're asking, like, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? And he was like, what's your favorite? Who are your favorite directors? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> 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 and he was like, you know, like, like top five. And I was like, I, I couldn't name. Five. I don't I don't know. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Greta Gerwig. Um, Spielberg. The other one. Is that one? Well, yeah, Spielberg definitely is one, but where's... The other one? The other S- female Sophia director? Coppola. <laughs> Coppola? Yeah. I wouldn't have known that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did The Virgin Suicides, or maybe that was her dad. I know that there are two Coppola directors. I don't know that movie, so... That's another thing. I only, I only know only, my name. 
I I haven't seen so many movies. Oh, me too. Same. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm genuinely just not interested. Thank you. Yeah. It's <laughs> I don't like, need to see all the classics. I'm good. I'm not even if I did watch them, I would not remember them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, back <laughs> we got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about birds. <laughs> um, we started any- by talking about birds. <sighs> okay. Uh, um, okay, so it looks like Hydra was studying invasive species and attempting to genetically modify uh, plants and animals to resist those invasive species. And she says that Hive either wanted this Hive either wanted this work destroyed to cover their tracks or because they are afraid of it. Because Hive is an invasive species. Yeah. Um, Simmons also has a theory that the organisms that ate uh, Hive's victims didn't just come from them, that that they are Hive. Wait, hang on, let me say that again. Simmons also has a theory that the organisms that ate their victims didn't just come from Hive, they are Hive. Coulson says they're a parasite that retains the memories of the bodies that they take over. Which is... Disgusting. Horrifying. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> um, as Coulson leaves the lab, he takes a moment to let the flashback of killing Ward overtake him. Um... Poor Coulson. Yeah. That was, he did a, that was a really good moment there, I feel like. Yeah, um, for sure. Fitz catches him uh, and tries to remind him that he did what he had to do, that Ward deserved exactly what he got. But Coulson doesn't accept that. He says that by killing Ward, he still let Ward win by changing Coulson into the kind of person that he never wanted to be. He says, I knew it would come back to haunt me, I just didn't think it would actually come back to haunt me. That's fair. True. <laughs> this is unheard of. <laughs> um, Mac tries to intimidate Guerra into talking, but Guerra just keeps referring to himself as we, and then tells Mac that he'll understand eventually. <laughs> Terrifying. Powers Booth, who plays Gideon Malik, played Reverend Jim Jones in Guyana Tragedy, The Story of Jim Jones, 1980. In discussing Guyara's faith in Hive, Max Snickers, wow, you've really drunk the Kool-Aid, which is how the real Reverend Jones' followers were trained to commit suicide rather than be captured by drinking poison Kool-Aid. While this is a popular saying, it is not 100% accurate, as the actual drink mix was a combination of Flavor-Aid and (laughs) Kool-Aid. That's so funny to even bring up. (laughs) It's not 100% accurate. It was only partially (laughs) Kool-Aid. Like the weirdest devil's advocate ever. (laughs) It was just Kool-Aid and knockoff (laughs) Kool-Aid. I want someone to say that about me, like, being a Swifty, like, oh, you're really drinking the Kool-Aid? So I can be, actually, it was (laughs) half flavor aid. (laughs) It's not my fault the flavor aid is delicious. (laughs) (laughs) The grape flavor aid is so much better than the grape Kool-Aid, actually. (laughs) It really covers up the taste of the poison. (laughs) God. I did not know that Powers Booth uh, played Jim Jones, though. That makes that line very funny. Yeah. Well, not funny, but like, hey. A nice little nod. You did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Hive and Stephanie find Malik in his study, looking for the old, looking for the old hollowed out copy of Paradise Lost. Hive reveals to Stephanie that Malik kept his father's stone this whole time. He never threw it in the pond. Ooh. 
Hive speaks as Gideon's brother, um, whose name was Nathaniel, apparently, and says that Gideon has always been a coward like their father and needs to learn the true meaning of sacrifice. God, Brett Dalton is such a good actor. Truly. He's just absolutely chilling. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he's not... He doesn't even... He, he He's not screaming. He's not, like... He's just quiet and calm and, like... He's not even saying he's so anything unsettling. really, like, overtly threatening. It just... Oh, my God. It's just, like, <laughs> hovering in the air. Yeah. Ugh. Great job, Brett. Hate it, but great job. <laughs> <laughs> You're really good um, at playing villains. You should yeah, keep doing real. that. <laughs> um, but... Hive says that they still need a Malik on their side. So then Hive kisses Stephanie and then she starts like disintegrating and bro, that's your niece. I don't, (laughs) I'm, (laughs) there's so many things happening. (laughs) On Stephanie kissing Hive moments before her death, Whedon said, is it creepy that she's basically kissing her uncle? Yes, but she's caught up. This is the most powerful thing that she's been taught to worship her whole life that's paying attention to her. If she took a step back, maybe she would think a little harder about it. But in the moment, she's just enthralled. Wait a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I wasn't freaked out about her kissing him. I was freaked out about him kissing her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, did she only just... I'm pretty sure she just found out that that's... If she even put it together... That that's Nathaniel in there. But he is, yeah. like, speaking as though... Or he is Hive Nathaniel. Is, yeah. That's where the weird part is. I'm not, I'm yeah. not blaming her at all. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't... We didn't talk for a second. <laughs> I support women's rights and women's wrongs. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Um, so Hydra would select which among them would be sacrificed to Hive in a lot drawing drawing ceremony. Those who drew a black rock were safe, but the one who drew a white rock would be sacrificed. While most of Hydra's inner circle wears black suits and dresses in this episode, Stephanie Malik wears a white sweater, foreshadowing her demise at Hive's hands. Oh my god! I didn't even notice! (laughs) That's... Whoa! That's crazy! Right? Wow. Costume department. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I got that one. I need to start looking on the actual, like, MCU Marvel wiki type thing. Because usually, like, when I've looked before, it just had the same fun facts as, like, Wikipedia did. But Mm -hmm. this one wasn't on Wikipedia or on IMDb. So I need to start looking there more often. Yeah, hell yeah. That was so cool. <clears throat> um, so Daisy and Lincoln arrive back to the Quinjet, and Daisy is demanding that Lincoln start telling her about his past or that they're going to have to break up. Um, Lincoln opens up about his life before he found Afterlife, when he had a drinking problem and a temper problem. And he tells her about how his girlfriend at the time was trying to help him be better and that they fought about that a lot. Um, and one night he got so worked up during their fight that he got in the car drunk and nearly killed her in the inevitable crash. This is when Gordon found him and brought him to afterlife. And he finally started to have hope that he could fill that void that he felt in his life. Um, we don't find out what happened to his ex-girlfriend, though. <laughs> I yeah. assume she's fine. <laughs> I hope um, she's living a good life. Yeah. Can you imagine, though? Like, you, you're you in an abusive relationship, you get in the car with them drunk, and then they fucking wrap the car around a tree. You almost die, You and he just, like, fucking disappears. disappears. <laughs> Literally disappears before your eyes, and then never comes back. <laughs> I... I can't even imagine. I hope she's okay. <laughs> yeah, for real. I know this is a fictional <laughs> character, and he she's just a backstory for this man's tragic backstory. Yeah. But I hope she's okay. 
<laughs> I feel like it says it says a little bit about Lincoln that he didn't like go back and find out what happened to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even, maybe. even if you're even if you're like let me not interrupt her life again, like that's fine. Find out what happened. <laughs> yeah. Find out if she's okay. God. Um also PSA to our younger listeners, um if if you feel like you have to like fix your partner, um you probably are not the right partners for each other. Uh just Truly. putting that out there. I second that. Um except for <laughs> you fixing Stephanie, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I but I that's that's different because I can fix her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so Lincoln Lincoln says that he never wants to hurt Daisy and that he promises not to keep any more secrets from her. And I have an issue with this <laughs> because this is like a very traumatic event um, that, that he went through. Even, even if, you know, we have our criticism about the afterwards and everything. Um, but it's like totally valid for him to not have brought it up in the relationship yet. Um, yeah. Cause how long have they been together? Like, Maybe Not a couple long. of months. <laughs> and then, like, Daisy says, like, if you can't tell me, then whatever this is, is over. Yeah. They haven't even which, defined which, the relationship. Yeah, they haven't even defined the relationship yet. <laughs> it is totally valid. Like, for, for I, it bugged me that they kept saying he was keeping this secret. It, it seems... It seems absolutely valid to me that they just hadn't gotten to a point where he felt safe enough to share this very vulnerable moment in his life. Like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you do not have to. Like, it's not exactly something trauma. you lead with. Yeah, that's like a that is a. You get to a point where you feel safe enough, and then you can share your darkest moments with each other with no judgment in a safe space. That is not like a. Hey, we just met. Here's all my trauma. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we just met. Uh, I want you to be my girlfriend. Also, I almost killed my last girlfriend. <laughs> Can you imagine if he did lead with that? <laughs> God. <laughs> but anyway, within the context of the show, it's fine, I guess, because then Daisy feels compelled to share her own secret um, that she saw the future again and that someone on their team is going to die. Yikes. That is a secret that maybe she could have shared with the group. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different kind of secret. That involves Share somebody with else. Share the team. <laughs> but, okay, whatever. <laughs> Daisy, do you have anything that you would like to share with the class? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um... So then back at S.H.I.E.L.D., Guerra is trying to break open the doors to his containment pod. Um, and I don't know, every time that I write the word pod, it corrects to pods. Or I, maybe <laughs> I'm just typing pods. I don't know. Tide pods. Tide pods. <clears throat> um, anyway, he manages to get through the doors and then through everyone who gets in his way until he takes control of the plane and lands them in the agro agrochemical facility. May manages to call Daisy for help before Guerra cuts the phone line. And then Daisy and Lincoln decide to call in Daisy's secret warrior team. I think that's Captain America. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because, like, at the end, though, when you went real high, your vibrato was, like, it sounded like Cinderella or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And now it's time for the post-content content. <laughs> Malik is grieving his daughter, blankly staring into the fireplace. Hive informs him that Guerra has captured a shield plane with several prisoners, and Malik does not react to this news, obviously. Um, I'm surprised he can even hear anything going on around yeah. him in his grief. Um, Hive tells him that now that the scales are balanced, 
Malik has nothing to fear from them. And then they put a hand on Malik's shoulder and say, together until the end. Oh my God. <laughs> Again, yeah. so chilling. So it's Truly. such a like small thing. And yet it gives me, it gives me chills. Oh, Malik is like that meme. You know, the one that's like, I didn't think leopards would eat my face, said the person who voted for the leopards eating faces party. (laughs) (laughs) He is that. He is that in every aspect of his life, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I didn't think that Hive would kill me, says the person who released a killing machine onto the earth. (laughs) Uh, I didn't. I didn't think I was part of the civilization. Civilization that he was uh, created to decimate. <laughs> God. <sighs> Overall anyway. thoughts. Um. So, okay. Here's. I'm gonna write what I wrote, and then what I added later. <laughs> okay. So. Maybe it's because I'm in a bad mood because I haven't been at a comfortable temperature in days uh, because of the AC at home and work struggling. Um, but the pe- the pacing of this episode is annoying me. Every scene feels like it's getting interrupted by the next scene. And then like it turned out, it turned out good and I was just cranky. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it was like that sensation when like days go by slow but weeks go by fast that's how this episode felt to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Okay. How about you? Yeah, I don't have any I don't have any overall thoughts. I um I liked this episode even though I put it off until literally the last minute watching it. Um, <laughs> I, I watched I, it this morning. <laughs> I didn't start it till 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, so that concludes our episode on season three, episode 16, Paradise Lost. Yeah. Next week, we'll be covering season three, episode 17, The Team. So stay tuned for that. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.